just about a month ago, President Obama stood before a joint session of Congress and delivered his seventh and final State of the Union address. And in the final line of that speech, he said, I am as confident as ever that the state of our union is strong. A few weeks ago, Mayor Marty Walsh stood before a joint a packed symphony hall and he delivered his second annual State of the City speech. And in the opening lines, he said, the state of our city is as strong as it's ever been. And just two days ago, on the eve of the big game, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell gave his State of the League press conference, and nobody in New England paid any attention at all. <laughs> now, a leadership guru named Max Dupree has famously said, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. In other words, at critical times in the life of any organization, a leader needs to provide a, an honest, accurate, helpful assessment of the health of the organization, the context in which it functions, and the critical factors for success going forward. And so on this second Sunday of February, halfway through our ministry year, first Sunday of February, halfway through our ministry year, and with no delusions of grandeur, I'd like to deliver a State of the Church sermon. I even wore a sport coat for the occasion, all right? <laughs> Now, I'm calling it a sermon because we'll still be looking at a passage of Scripture as we do each week, and I hope it will feel like a sermon in the sense that it should be inspiring and a little bit challenging. But a clear focus of the message will be to assess where we are as a church halfway through our ministry year and, and where we are in terms of our overall mission of transforming lives with the surprising message of God's grace. Now, if you have me visiting today, you should know that our, our message today will be a little more corporate than it typically is, but you will get a sense of who we are as a church and what we're all about. And if you should happen to be here today with a heavy heart or hoping to hear something a little more personal, I do believe the Lord can meet you today in the worship, in the reading of Scripture, in the fellowship of His people and in our moments around the communion table at the end of our message. Now, typically, when uh, leaders deliver a state of the whatever address, they try to land on a word that captures the essence of that organization, and typically, that word is strong. The state of the state, the state of the city, the state of the commonwealth is strong. That's a good word, and I honestly believe it could certainly apply to life and ministry here at Grace Chapel. But I have found it helpful to land on a more particular word, a more vivid word that captures something in particular at this particular moment in our church's history. In the past, we've used words like vibrant and rising. The word I've landed on for this year is generous. Members and friends of Grace Chapel, the state of our church is generous. And to tell you how I arrived at that particular word, I'd like to take you to a passage of Scripture, a book we find in the New Testament called 2 Corinthians. Now, recently, one of our presidential candidates rather awkwardly referred to it as <laughs> 2 Corinthians, which, which prompted one political pundit to tweet, did you hear the one about the 2 Corinthians who walked into a bar? <laughs> so, this is 2 Corinthians... 
Now, in fairness to him, in one tradition and around the world, they do call it 2 Corinthians. So. But we call it 2 Corinthians because it's the second of two letters we have in our New Testament that Paul wrote to the Christians living in the city of Corinth. So let's read the passage and then talk about it a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, you should know that this letter we call 2 Corinthians is actually a fundraising letter, not unlike the ones we all get in the mail on a, weekly, on a regular basis from the organizations and charities that we support. Corinth was an affluent city. It was a thriving commercial seaport on the Grecian peninsula in the Roman Empire. And so the believers living in the city of Corinth were generally better off financially than believers back in Jerusalem who were being persecuted and discriminated against because of their faith. So Paul is writing this letter, asking the Corinthian churches to collect an offering that he and his associates can deliver to the Jerusalem church to relieve their suffering. And naturally, he wants them to be as generous as possible. Let's talk about that word generous for just a minute. The dictionary tells us that it means a readiness to give more of something, money or time, than is usual or expected. So generosity can apply to a variety of resources, money, time, energy, love, but it always implies more, more than is typical, more than is usual, more than is expected. And so if we're going to understand what generous means financially, it helps to know what people usually give financially. So a recent survey has revealed that about two-thirds of all American households give to some charity in the course of a year. And of those two-thirds of American households, uh, secular households, non-religious households, typically give $863 a year to charitable causes, just under $1,000. The typical religious household gives about twice that much, $1,703 annually to charity. Now, on the one hand, we should feel encouraged by that. It's nice to know that religious households, Christian households included, give more generously than usual, twice as much as the non-religious household. That's encouraging. At the same time, I want to remind ourselves that the biblical guideline for giving, the principle that's taught throughout Scripture, is the principle of tithing, or a guideline of 10% of our income. So if Paul is encouraging the Corinthian Christians and us to be generous it probably means more, translates into more than $1,700 a year. Unless your income is $17,000 a year, in which case it's 10%. Now, since it's January, most of us have recently received our giving statements from the variety of organizations and church that we might support. And so maybe in your own head right now, you can do some mental calculation, or maybe when you get home this afternoon, and just see how generous you have been in comparison to others as you have given to charity around the world. Like I said, it's going to feel a little like a sermon. That was a joke. Okay. <laughs> Knowing how hard it can be for us to be generous, 
Paul reminds his readers, he reminds us of a simple principle, a principle that's deeply embedded in the nature of God and the way God's world works. Some people call it the generosity principle. Let's look at verse 6. Remember this, he writes, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, this principle is both simple and paradoxical. The more you give, the more you receive. If you give sparingly, you receive sparingly. If you give generously, you receive generously. Now, as I said, that seems paradoxical. If I have $100 and I give $10 to some cause, I have $90 left. If I have $100 and I give $50 to some cause, I only have $50 left. And that feels like less, not more. But if I give that $50 to some cause and the next week get a raise at my job, or if I find out that giving that $50 was way more satisfying than spending it at the mall, or if by getting involved in the life of this organization I'm supporting, I begin to make some new friends, well, then in the end, I've received more than I've given. Maybe more money, more joy, more relationships, maybe all of the above. The more you give, the more you receive. It's not a formula for financial prosperity, a way of forcing God's hand to give us more money. It's not that. But it is a principle for abundant living. The more we give, the more we receive, spiritually, personally, relationally, and sometimes even materially, the generosity principle. And this room is full of people, including Karen and me, who can testify that this principle is true. You cannot outgive God. So why have I chosen this word generous to describe our church this year? Well, I have to take you back to just about a year ago this time, January and February of 2015. If you were here, you remember that during this time last year, we launched what, uh, a generosity initiative that we called Next. If you were here, this was a season in which we cast some vision for the future of the church and invited people to consider their giving to the life of the church. And we had three objectives for that generosity initiative. The first is that each of us would take our next step on the generosity of journey. That maybe we'd give our first gift ever to our church, grace or whatever your church is. Maybe it was that we'd go from occasional giving to regular giving, week by week or month by month. Or maybe from regular giving to proportional giving, 2%, 3%, 5 working towards 10%. Or take a step towards abundant giving, giving beyond 10%. We were hoping everybody would take a step on that journey. Our second objective was reaching and raising the next generation of Christ followers. We felt as though it was time to revitalize our ministries to children and students. And then thirdly, resourcing our campuses for the next chapter of ministry. It's time to invest in what you call infrastructure, of our ministry, some staff and technology, communications, some central support, so that we could continue to grow and, and expand and serve our city and the world around us. So in January, we spent about four months looking at the Bible, about the work of the church, and about principles of giving. 
And we asked ourselves, what would God want each of us to do individually? What's he asking of us as a church? And then on the first Sunday of February, one year ago today, this very Sunday, we actually declared our intentions to give. What would we give through Grace Chapel to God's work in the world in the next two years, 2015, 2016? Now, as it turned out, if you remember, it was a very snowy Sunday last year. In fact, we only had about half of our folks here. But it turned out to be a really important and exciting day. Let me read the next verse and I'll tell you what happened. Paul writes, Each of you should give whatever you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul reminds us that our giving decisions should be made thoughtfully, prayerfully, personally, and freely, without pressure or guilt or obligation. And that's why here at Grace, we never tell people what to give. We don't require people to give. Generally speaking, we don't even know what people give, aside from a couple people in our financial office. We want it to be free and thoughtful and personal. But on this Sunday, a year ago, we actually had a chance to do what Paul says right here, to, to thoughtfully and prayerfully decide what we would give over the next two years to the ministry of the church. And we actually filled out intention cards in the service that day and brought them forward. Now, some of us were pretty nervous about that day. We don't often do that sort of thing here at Grace. Would people actually do it? Would it feel good in the moment? And with uh, half the place empty because of the snow, we just were worried about a real disaster on our hands. But it turned out to be an incredibly moving experience. The moment we extended the invitation for people, to present their gifts to the Lord, to go to a basket and drop it off, people immediately got out of their seats and went. Friendship groups, family groups, couples, they went. And we had this long musical stretch plan, thinking it might take a long time for people to get out of their seats, and it happened in no time at all. It was a remarkable expression of generosity that day. And in the end, over the course of the next couple of weeks, the next two weeks were snowy as well, <laughs> But over the course of the next two weeks, 800 households declared their intention to take the next step on their journey. First-time giving, regular giving, proportionate giving, kingdom giving. Over the past year, over 400 households have given to Grace Chapel for the very first time, just begun their giving journey. And remember that uh, little benchmark of $1,700 that the typical American household gives? Well, last year, we had over 930 households that gave beyond $2,000, and most of them way beyond $2,000. All this to say, the response to the generosity initiative has been nothing short of generous. More than is usual or expected. Let's keep reading because the story gets even better. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now here in verse 8, Paul brings back this generosity principle. The more you give, the more you receive. And just as God promised, as you gave generously, He blessed us abundantly so that we've been able to abound in good works. 
This has been our strongest giving year ever to the general fund here at Grace Chapel. We find ourselves about 12% ahead of this same time last year. And about three-quarters of the way through the financial year, we are just about right on budget. It's a wonderful thing. And on top of the general giving, through Global Awareness Week and our Christmas Eve offering, this congregation gave an additional $230,000 to address the Syrian refugee crisis, both in the Middle East and as some are resettled here in the Boston area. It's a remarkable expression of generosity. <laughs> and as a result of that generosity, God has blessed us in remarkable ways and allowed his good work to abound this past year. Let me just remind you of some of the ways. Every Sunday, we serve about 4,000 people across our, our, our campuses and venues. Not counting summertime, our average attendance on a Sunday is about 3,840 people. About 12 times this past year, we had our record-setting Sunday for that particular day in our past history, including Christmas Eve and Easter Sunday as well. Every month, about 200 people visit with us for the very first time to check out our church, maybe to check out church for the first time in a long time. All four of our campuses are flourishing, each of them in a distinctive way. The Wilmington campus, frankly, is going crazy. They've been growing by about 20% this past year. They have about 800 people there on a good Sunday. They really are running out of room for people and kids. The kids' town is flourishing. Student ministry is flourishing. The Watertown campus is welcoming new people from the surrounding neighborhoods. Again, many of them new to church or have been away from church for a long time. And they're very creatively and intentionally finding ways to reach out to their community. In the summer months, they held outdoor movie nights at the park so families and neighbors could come and just make some connections. In October, they had a harvest fest day, a free celebration like Winter Blast. Over 800 of their neighbors came and dropped in to make a connection to the church. On the Lexington campus, we have formed a Lexington campus leadership team under Pastor Dave's leadership. We've begun some faith work initiatives. We're building stronger connections here across this campus. East Lexington campus in their second year has solidified their core congregation and their model of ministry, and they are poised for their next chapter of growth and impact. Now, the East Lexington campus is just so unique and distinctive. The only way to really help you get it is to show you a picture of it. So we have a short little video to tell you about what's happening at our East Lexington campus. Let's turn our attention to the screens for just a minute. In fall of 2014, Grace Chapel launched its fourth campus, located at Lexington Christian Academy in East Lexington. We are blessed to have the use of a beautiful, new, state-of-the-art auditorium, classrooms, a gym, library, cafeteria, and swimming pool. At the time of the launch, 100 people like you committed to being a local presence of God's people living together beyond the walls of the church. And we are excited to tell you that something really special has happened since we've started. We've developed a wonderful community which is intergenerational, outreach focused, and eager to grow. On Sundays at East Lexington, kids, teens, and adults worship together, eat together, play together, and serve together. Kids and adults worship God together for the first 30 minutes of our service. 
Then we kids head off to Kidstown, where we're taught by teams of adults and youth. Youth connect through student ministries, where we're mentored by adult leaders. In East Lexington, we're really one big faith family. This is a community where people from diverse backgrounds experience life together. East Lexington is a warm environment where we get to know each other through community lunches, adult classes, life communities, women's gatherings, pool parties, and by serving together. We're committed to outreach and have taken the opportunity to serve outside the church walls by visiting a nursing home just a few doors away, making meals for local organizations, collecting clothes for a shelter in Cambridge, and providing food for an under-resourced school in our neighborhood. As you can tell, we're thrilled with all that God has been doing at East Lexington. We enjoy the leadership, teaching, creativity and resources of Grace Chapel, while delighting in the wonderful aspects of our smaller church culture. And parking is super easy. We're ready to take East Lexington campus to the next level. Now that we've established a strong foundation, we invite you to join us. Our auditorium can seat 400 people, and we're eager to see God fill it as we reach out, along with all of Grace Chapel, to impact our communities for Christ. Is it's God calling you to join this exciting opportunity? Well, way to go, East Lexington. If you're intrigued by what's happening there, if you like that model of ministry, if you'd like to help them get to their next level, we're actually going to invite some folks from, from Lexington and other campuses to join them this spring, beginning March 7th, and kind of give them a little boost and encouragement uh, for this next stage of growth. So you can listen for more of that in the days uh, to come. Now, along with our four campuses, we also have uh, venues right here on our campus, uh, GC at night at 5 o'clock on Sundays, and then uh, our courtyard, which worships uh, concurrent with our services here. And they're both flourishing and developing a real sense of community. Had a funny little moment a couple of months ago um, on a communion Sunday after finishing the message here in the sanctuary, I kind of slipped out and hustled across the lobby to lead communion in the courtyard, which I never get to do. Now, I happened to step into the back of the courtyard room while I was still speaking on the screen, which is a little bit of a weird experience. And while people bowed their heads for prayer, I kind of slipped up front and took my place behind the communion table. So when people looked up from prayer, there I was, live and in person. And a little kid in the front row goes, wow. So it was a nice little moment, but the truth is, the truth is they're doing fine without me there. Brad Gardner is shepherding them well in the courtyard and Pastor Tim shepherding the GC at night crowd. But speaking of blessing us abundantly in ways we could never have predicted, this year God has led us into our first strategic partnership with another church. Christ Church of Amherst, New Hampshire has become a strategic partner of ours. They are a thriving congregation there in Amherst, but they were eager to take advantage of our Sunday teaching, so they take our teaching on Sunday mornings, and they also join us for some of our training events and things like that, and learn what they can from our ministry here. So we're grateful to be in partnership with Christ Church. And then in another remarkable act of generosity, another church, Foxborough Bible Church, donated to Grace Chapel their property and their facilities in order that we might somehow steward it for God's purposes in the world. Now, there's a core group of folks there who continue to worship with us. They take our video stream on Sundays as well. And uh, together we are praying and thinking about how we might best use that campus in the days to come. 
In addition to those physical campuses and venues, uh, it was also our desire to increase our online presence this year. And thanks to your generosity, we've been able to do that, to develop a new website that gets visited by over 100,000 people every year. And about half of those people are new, visiting it for the first time. And they come from all over the world. Uh, 20,000 visits to our sermons page over this past year. We have 5,000 people who like us on Facebook. <laughs> 300 almost now are worshiping with us online each Sunday morning. And if you're joining us today, we're glad you're here. It's not quite like being here, I'm just saying. If you can get here, get here. But if you can't, we are thrilled to have you worship with us. One of our initiatives uh, of the next uh, campaign was to revitalize our student youth ministries. So let me just give you some updates on that. Because of your generosity, we were able to bring to our staff Pastor Ruthie Siders to lead our next-gen team and ministry. And she's cast a fresh vision. Yes, she has. She has cast a fresh and compelling vision for us to see ourselves as a faith family. Every adult to see themselves as a faith parent to the children and teenagers uh, around us. And so together they are designing a whole new curriculum for nursery right on through high school years to nurture the faith of our children and young people. We are celebrating children and including them are often in our ministry, presenting them with their Bibles in, uh, in first grade and in inviting high schoolers to come and join the church as members. A whole crowd of middle schoolers are away on retreat this weekend, actually. Uh, recently, at a recent event, 12 middle schoolers made first-time commitments to following Christ. Another 40 rededicated their lives to following and serving Christ. Up in Wilmington, where Josh Jacob is running something called the School of Rock, in which he is developing musical and artistic talents in young people so that they can become worship leaders in the days to come and even now. This past summer, we provided internships for 12 young adults, college students, who learned how to use their skills to serve the kingdom in the church and outside the church. We have eight interns with us this year as well. At the same time, we are investing in the Encore generation, those of us 55 and older, who are eager to continue growing in our faith and eager to take our life experience and wisdom and skill and, and, and give back to the church and to the world and to our communities. Pastor Doug has formed a steering team. They're exploring ways to mobilize that particular generation. All this has been accomplished in this past year because of your generosity. Through your giving, God has blessed us and allowed us to abound in good works. But the generosity isn't just about money. It's also about time and energy and skill. We did a little inventory of our volunteer base here at Grace across our campuses and discovered that we have about 1,700 people who volunteer on a regular basis. These are folks who weekly or monthly give time, talent, and energy to serve the church or serve the community in some way. Nearly 400 Kidstown volunteers, nearly 350 on the welcome teams, another 300 serving in the worship arts, 250 life community leaders across our campuses, 70 people serving in student ministries. A couple of weeks ago, we announced that we were having a challenge in Lexington to staff our, our, our Crossroads Cafe 
that we were actually in danger of having to cut back on the hours or services if we didn't get more volunteers. Well, in no time at all, nearly 40 people stepped forward to volunteer. Maybe it was a panic over no lattes. I don't know. But that quick response has enabled them not to miss a beat. And it means not only that people can find coffee on a Sunday, they can find connection. They can find a meaningful conversation as they reflect on what God is doing in their lives. Now, I don't want you to think we have all our slots filled and that we don't, there's not a room for you to be involved. As these little elves reminded us at Christmas time, <laughs> there's always room to serve here at Grace, not just in Kidstown, but across our ministries. If you'd like to get in on the fun uh, and the joy, we would love to have you. But 1,700 volunteers is the mark of a generous church. And as a result of this generosity, lives are being changed. And who can forget one church Sunday last spring up in Lowell when a hundred people came forward to commit their lives to following Christ and declaring it through baptism. What a great day that was. Women, men, students, children, people are finding forgiveness. They're finding healing of their hearts. They're finding freedom from hurts, habits, and hang-ups. They're finding peace and purpose and belonging and joy like they've never known before. And when they find those things, they praise God for people like you who gave and served so they can find this new life. Listen to these verses from Paul's letter. This service you perform in, is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Can I share with you some expressions of thanks we've received just recently? This one comes from our divorce care program. When my husband left, I could not function. I was a walking zombie. The divorce care support and lessons were nothing short of miraculous for me. Step by step, the, the support I received from J and P was a direct blessing from God. Though having my world blown to parts was incredibly painful, I would never have thought the healing and hope I'm now experiencing would ever be possible. How wonderful is our Lord and Savior. You see what's happening? She's praising God because of your generosity of time and service. Recently in Watertown, a couple of new moms had moved into the area. They were far from home. They were feeling lonely and disconnected and overwhelmed. They happened to meet each other at a new Watertown women's Bible study. They made such a connection, it brought such joy to them. They immediately realized they knew lots of other young moms who were just as lonely and disconnected and overwhelmed as they were. So they started yet another group, and they're now meeting on a regular basis to find encouragement and help as they follow Christ and see Christ and raise their families. Thanks to your generosity, they went from lonely to connected to serving in a matter of just a few months. As you know, we have many international folks who are a part of the life of our church, sometimes just for a year or two or three as they come to Boston to study or work or serve in the military. One of them is a university professor from another part of the world, and she came to plug in and took that course and listen to what she writes. I replaced my faulty view of God with a new biblical view. I realize now how much God loves the people in my life, and I am eager to work with him as a return to my home in Korea. 
Just last night, I got an email from Pastor Vitali uh, at our Jesus Savior Church, partner church in Moldova. He wanted to celebrate with us, wants us to celebrate with him that today, or yesterday or tomorrow, whatever time it is there, <laughs> they were baptizing about 20-some folks who are making new commitments to following Christ. Amen. And he wanted me, he wanted me to thank you for your generosity in making things like that happen. I wish I had time to share more stories, but you get the idea. When we are generous with our time and talent and treasure, God is generous with us, we are generous with others, they receive, they're blessed, and they become generous as well. Now, no state of the anything address would be complete without addressing the challenges and opportunities to come. So let's quickly finish up with a look at verse 11. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. God hasn't blessed us with these resources so that we can sit on them, so we can keep them to ourselves, so we can say, boy, we sure like it the way it is. Let's keep it the way it is. No, no. He's been generous with us so we can be generous with others. And so as grateful, as happy as we are for all that God is doing, we're not satisfied because there are too many people out there who have never experienced the, the love of God, who are not connected to a faith community, who don't realize the difference they can make in the world when they're in relationship with God. There's too many needs in our community and our city and our world for us not to continue to be more generous and ask God for more. So as excited as we are to have 4,000 or so people worship with us and 200 visitors every month, the truth is, over the past year or so, our, our worship attendance is pretty much flat. So we're not sure why that is. We're trying to figure that out. But going forward, we want to work harder at engaging people and retaining people so they find a real connection and we want to even more creatively and intentionally reach out to people who are far from God and far from church. We do have some strategic decisions to make about our campuses and how to invest in them that are ways that, in ways that allow them to, to grow and have an impact. We still have to think through what's going to happen with that Foxborough facility and how best to use that for the kingdom. And even though we've talked this morning about generosity of finances and generosity of service, the world we live in today also calls for a generosity of spirit. A generosity of spirit. As we work for social justice, as we pursue racial reconciliation, as we minister to and with our LGBTQ friends and family members, we need God's truth and grace and wisdom to enter into these conversations and these challenges. Last week, we all took an opportunity to fill out a spiritual journey card. Where are we on our journey of faith? We're still processing all those cards, but one of the things we learned, so there's a significant group of folks at Grace who describe themselves as stalled in their spiritual journey for a variety of reasons. So we want to lean into that in the second half of the year. Next week, we're beginning a new series for Lent that we're calling On the Road with Jesus. We're going to go to the Gospel of Luke and see what we can learn about Jesus and about ourselves as we walk with him on the road to Jerusalem. But even with all these challenges and all these opportunities in front of us, I can say that we are as excited and as expectant as we have ever been about the life and ministry of Grace Chapel.
If, you've, if you're newer here and you're thinking about getting more involved, maybe about becoming a member or joining a life community or finding a place to serve or taking a course, this would be a great time to do that. And if you'd like to get in on the, on, the, on the giving side of it, if you've never really made a financial commitment to a church and you'd like to do that for 2016, you can pick up an intention card for this year at our information desk. You can get it online or on the Grace Chapel app. There's something very powerful about making a decision like that and becoming part of the story. We began with a quote from Max Dupree. The first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. It's been my joy to fulfill that responsibility this morning. But that's not the end of the quote. The first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. The last is to say thank you. And so, on behalf of the elders, on behalf of the pastoral staff, on behalf of our global and regional partners, and on behalf of the many, many thousands of people whose lives have been touched by your generosity this year, let me say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And let me say thank you for the joy of serving a generous church. Let's pray. Lord, we offer you our grateful hearts today, our wonder, our gratitude, our delight, our satisfaction at being part of some remarkable things you're doing in people's lives and the world. Thank you for that privilege, for your generosity towards us. Show us what it looks like to be just as generous and even more so as we look to the future with our time, energy, and talent. Lord, meet us now as we gather around the communion table for these few moments to remind ourselves of that which is at the very center of our life together and our mission, your love shown to us in your Son, Jesus Christ, who lived, died, and rose again, that we might follow him into abundant and eternal life. Make these moments meaningful, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.